Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Juno Report. We're so glad to be back with you. I'm Nolan Crabb, and it's my pleasure to host the Juno Report. We'll talk a little bit more in just a second or two about how that works and about others with whom I'll be hosting the program, one other individual specifically, of course. But I do want to express my appreciation to the leadership of Guide Dog Users Incorporated for entrusting to me this most interesting challenge and excellent responsibility. As you remember, the Juno Report has been in existence for several months. Its goal, of course, is to provide you with information you can use on a constant basis. The Juno Report will be available as a podcast after it airs here on ACB Radio. The Juno Report is a service of Guide Dog Users Incorporated, an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Guide Dog Users Incorporated seeks to enhance the access of guide dog handlers everywhere to public places, and one of the ways we feel we can do that best is to ensure that guide dog handlers and their friends and associates have the latest and best information. That's one of the reasons we're proud to bring you the Juno Report on a regular basis. We certainly wish to pause and thank Dan Kaiser, the former host of this program, for his outstanding work. I'm Nolan Crabb, and it's my privilege to host this program in conjunction with Marlena Lyberg. We look forward to working together with Larry Turnbull and the rest of the ACB Radio Group to bring you the most up-to-date information about Guide Dog Users Incorporated and our ongoing efforts. Thanks for listening to the November Juno Report. It's a pleasure to be with you. Our program this month focuses on transportation, more specifically on you, your guide dog, and Uber. A class action settlement is forthcoming brought by a group of guide dog users who represent all of us nationally. That settlement was the discussion of one of the program sessions at the summer convention. The speaker whom you'll hear today is Julia Marks. She is a fellowship attorney with Disability Rights Advocates in Berkeley, California. She is among those who have been working on the Uber case, which has been in the works for quite some time. That settlement is due to be released sometime this month or perhaps in December. For the past couple years, I've been working a lot on the case that we brought against Uber Technologies about access to transportation on the Uber system by people who are blind and who use guide dogs. So I wanted to talk mostly about that case today because it's the only big case of its nature in the country. So the precedent that we're trying to set there should have far-reaching effects, both geographically, it should affect everyone across the country, and it can hopefully be a model so other companies that also provide similar services will do some of the things that um, Uber is going to have to do under the case um, to fight discrimination in the system. Um, So I just wanted to make a brief statement first about uh, my position and DRA's position and interpretation of the law about what your legal rights are when you are Um, trying to get a ride on a platform like Uber. So um, as you probably, most of you know, Uber connects riders with drivers through an app and its software connects the two people and Uber controls the payment. They tell you when you've been assigned a driver, they tell you when the driver is coming, they tell you how far it is. Um, and then they process it all at the end. And so that's really could be very beneficial because it's 
predictable in a way taxis might not be, and sometimes it's cheaper. Um, but unfortunately, as many of you know, a lot of drivers have been refusing to take people who are traveling with service dogs. Um, occasionally, the drivers will drive up to the passenger and talk to the person and say, I'm not taking you, you have a service dog. Um, but also, we've heard a lot of stories of people who've just been waiting and then the app says your driver arrived and then the app says your driver canceled and people have to call again and they don't even have the interaction to um, validate the experience. So we've heard from people across the country about this happening and we believe that is in clear violation of the ADA. The ADA says you can't, you can't deny service in public transportation or in a place of public accommodation like a movie theater or a restaurant or in our view also Uber. You can't deny service just because someone is traveling um, with a service animal. Um, you also can't charge people for having that service animal with them. So to the extent drivers are charging uh, cleaning fees um, to passengers because they had a dog in the car, that would also violate the ADA. Um, both under the section about public accommodations and the section about um, public transportation because it covers transportation by private entities as well as by public entities. So uh, Uber is the private company and they provide transit to the general public, so they're covered. Um, we also believe it's not just the individual drivers who are responsible, but Uber itself. Yeah, so um, we approached Uber in 2014 asking them to negotiate with us to come up with a solution to this, um, and they refused. And so we brought a lawsuit against them um, under the ADA and under state law. A lot of states have parallel laws. Some of them also provide for monetary damages, so you can recover something financially for the discrimination you suffered. Our case does not deal with that. We're only seeking the policy uh, changes. So if you have discrimination that you've experienced, you're separate from our case, you can pursue um, something under state law if you choose. Yes? Yeah, yeah, so um, I can, I was, that fits well with where I am. So, um, so there are a couple arguments that Uber could make and has tried to make in certain parts of our case uh, that that makes a difference, that it's their own car, or that it makes a difference that Uber's a technology platform um, and therefore it's not a transportation service. So we think that argument does not fly <laughs> and will not be successful. Um, in terms of the private ownership of vehicle issue, uh, in the public accommodation section of the ADA, there's special language explaining that if you open your private residence to the public, like if you have an office that's attached to your living room, the parts of your private space that you've opened to the public do fall within the requirements of the ADA. And we think that the driver car situation is analogous to that. So if you have turned your private vehicle into a place that's open to the public for the provision of services, then you can't claim it's private space anymore. It's part of that public service. Um, so in our case, we didn't proceed to a point where the judge had to make a final ruling about that. Um, so there's not 
a case, there's not a court decision out there that agrees with that position, but we did have some argue, argument before the judge with Uber. Um, and what was really helpful is the Department of Justice chimed in to state that the position of the United States, who you know created the ADA, is that the section of the ADA about transportation services does completely apply to Uber. Um, so while that's not 100% binding, the fact that the US government went out of their way to step into our case and say um, Uber has to follow the ADA like other transportation service providers without making special exceptions about private cars, this technology platform, that. The fact that government said that makes any cases going forward have something very strong to cite to that says um, people have to comply with the ADA and have to let people who use service animals into these spaces the way they should be let into a movie theater or a shopping mall. Yep. So, so as I alluded to, we did litigate some of the issues. We went to the judge and argued about some of those things. Um, and the Department of Justice agreed that Uber is covered. Um, and once that happened, Uber decided to come to the table for settlement. So uh, we came, we spent about a year and a half, a year negotiating with them. A big thank you to anyone here, anyone you know who took the time to talk to us. It was really helpful to have the record of community experiences to shape the settlement agreement that we came up to uh, with Uber. Um, and so I want to quickly note the settlement is not in place yet. So if anything I'm about to say sounds like out of alignment with what you've been experiencing, it's because the settlement hasn't started. Um, and that's for some procedural issues I'll get to at the end. Um, but I wanted to talk through the content and the changes Uber is going to make um, that we believe will take, um, hopefully will really decrease the amount of discrimination we're seeing by drivers. So the first uh, component is coverage. So this is a nationwide settlement and it should apply for any blind or visually disabled person who uses a guide dog and who uses the um, Uber platform. So that's across the country. Um, and the first key thing we wanted Uber to improve and that they've agreed to improve is driver education. So in the contract between drivers and Uber, um, it says that Uber has, that Uber drivers have to take people with guide dogs. They aren't allowed to do discriminatory denials. Um, and it explains that there are disciplinary uh, responses for failure to do that and uh, says what they actually are. So this is much more detail than Uber currently provides to drivers in its contract. Um, we all know though that people don't always read contracts, so that's just the first thing. Um, Uber's also gonna send quarterly emails and they're gonna be more thorough and include photos, like this is what a guide dog looks like, you have to take this guide dog. Um, new drivers, when they go through the onboarding process, there's going to be a screen that also announces that you have to take you have to take guide dogs and hear the disciplinary consequences, um, and most importantly, what we think will really make a difference is that all drivers, both new and old, um, will have to go through a series of pop-ups in their app. So there will be a day where they try to log in, and before they're allowed to be assigned rides, 
they have to go through a number of screens that lay out the policy and then additionally quiz the driver on what the policy is. And this includes the fact that you're not only do you have to take the guide dogs, but that allergies are not an excuse and religion is not an excuse and a generalized fear of dogs is not an excuse. And Uber has made that its official policy and stated it in a policy document and that will be part of this in-app driver education component. Additionally, education only gets you so far um, if drivers think there are consequences to failure to comply with the policy. So uh, Uber will be more strict going forward. If they receive a report and it's clear that the driver knew the person had a guide dog and denied service for that reason, the driver is automatically terminated permanently. Um, if it's not clear what happened, but there's a report of discrimination and investigation, it's still kind of unclear, then they get like a check in their file. And if it happens again, it's presumed that they know what they're doing and that they're discriminating. So it's kind of a one-two strike policy. Um, and that also will be written out in the policy that drivers see and customers see. So you know your rights and drivers know the consequences. Um, Uber's also committing they'll investigate every report that comes in. We've been hoping they're already doing that, but just in case they're not, it's gonna be in writing. Um, and the customer, um, there's the policy that faces customers and drivers, and there's also an internal policy and workflow they're creating to make sure that all these complaints are processed and that they're following through both on the customer side and the driver side internally. We don't wanna see complaints come in and then just fall through the cracks. Um, on the customer service side, Uber has agreed to make it easier to file complaints. So it'll take fewer click-throughs on your screen if something does happen to reach a point where you can report that something happened. They've also committed to putting on the homepage of their website a link that says, I want to report a service animal issue. So that should be a lot easier than having to navigate through the app. Um, also now those complaint forms are specialized to service animal issues. So that'll flag for Uber when a complaint comes in, they'll, they'll know immediately that it has to do with service animals. And so hopefully that'll also prevent complaints from kind of getting lost in the customer service world. Um, additionally, the homepage for the Uber website will have a link to the new service animal policy. So you can read that there and or um, you'll have an access a version you can access quickly just to kind of reaffirm your rights under Uber's new policies. Um, additionally, customer service will try to respond within a week if they receive a complaint from you. Um, and they will reverse any cancellation charges. Um, they will not block drivers from passengers unless the passenger requests it. So if you live in an area where there aren't very many drivers and you're worried that submitting a complaint um, will take that person out of rotation and you're not sure that they actually discriminated but you're concerned, you can report something without losing that driver. But if you don't wanna to have to deal with that driver again, you can also tell them that and it gives the choice to you rather than to the company about if you wanna be matched with them again. Um, so those are the core substance components. Oh, also cleaning fees. They can't charge cleaning fees for routine shedding. Um, you can be charged uh, for 
um, a bodily fluids issue, but only if it's the third one. So the first couple times, it, you get a pass, or the dog gets a pass. <laughs> um, um, so those are the substantive terms. And then uh, there are a number of things in the settlement to make sure that it works, um, because we think these things will help decrease discrimination, but uh, no one can predict the future, and we want to be sure that it works once it's signed. So um, Uber will be reporting data on all of the complaints it receives, on the drivers it receives complaints about, um, on passenger ratings. We want to make sure that passengers aren't getting rated poorly for having guide dogs. Um, so all of that will be provided both to the, uh, the attorneys and to a third-party monitor who will be in place for the duration of the settlement to check in on Uber, go through the data, and make sure that the levels of discrimination are actually decreasing. Um, if you're concerned, that will be anonymized, so no passenger or driver names will be released, but we'll be able to code them to kind of follow up on issues and make sure that uh, the settlement is being accurately implemented. Um, we're also going to send out testers, so people with guide dogs, to just make sure that drivers are complying with the new policy and the law. Um, and the monitoring, testing, and data recovery will be in place for three and a half years, so we'll have a while to make sure um, it's succeeding. And if it's actually looking like it's not succeeding, we have the opportunity to extend the time period even further. Um, and there's a provision that we can request additional changes. Um, either the plaintiffs or the independent monitor can go to Uber and say, for the following reasons, we don't think this is working well enough, and here are some proposed changes. And they're obligated to have that conversation with us. So that's the settlement in substance. Um, I noted that it's not in place, and that's because it's a class action. Um, and that means the case is brought on behalf of a whole group of people. And this is all people nationwide who use guide dogs and Uber. Um, and because it applies to that large group, the court needs to have an opportunity to decide that it's fair and to give anyone in the group a chance to tell the court if they don't think it's fair because they're bound to it. Um, so... The court is looking at the settlement now, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll give a preliminary okay. And then over the summer, anyone who the, law, the case applies to, the settlement applies to, um, can go to a website we're posting, or um, you'll also get the announcement through the ACB and NFB digital publications and Braille publications in the next few months if this posts. Um, and then you have a chance, if you think it's a terrible settlement, you can tell the court that. If you like it, you don't have to say anything. <laughs> um, and if you like it generally, but there are a couple issues, um, unfortunately, there's not really a space in the process for that. It's kind of a yes or no type situation. Um, so uh, if enough people object and the court thinks that the community doesn't like it, then the whole thing gets thrown out. So um, that's... That's the process that is delaying its starting. It's a fairness issue, and it's a chance to make sure everyone gets to read it and think about it, and if they want to talk to me about it, you're welcome to. Um, and then in November or December, the court will go through all of that, confirm it happened, and decide whether to start the settlement or not. So it could start in December. Yeah. Yeah. The, the legal process is a little slow. 
Um, <laughs> but <laughs> there we go. Um, and so how you guys can help is when, when hopefully that does come out, like please read through it so you know uh, what, what rights you have under the settlement. Um, and also please reach out to me at DRA and my other colleagues if you continue to experience discrimination because even once the settlement's in place, we want to be sure that it's doing what it's supposed to do. And we'll get data from Uber, but we also want to get data from the community just, just to double check. You know, more information is usually better. Um, and then a quick note, just other things at DRA that we're working on related to um, access for blind people to new services in this changing technological time. Um, we did some work on Netflix. Hopefully some of you have enjoyed its uh, audio description services recently. So we've been looking at both audio description and ensuring screen reader accessibility. Um, and so we're looking at some of the other online video services such as Hulu. So if you have any feedback on that, also please reach out to me. GDUI President Penny Reeder wondered whether Uber drivers who are disciplined for not picking up passengers with service dogs simply shift to Lyft and drive for the competition. She asked Marks whether her organization had been involved with Lyft. So we are currently in discussions with Lyft. Unfortunately, I can't provide much more detail, but I can say that going through this process with Uber has created a pretty good framework that hopefully other companies will be following. What about driver attitudes? There are those who will give you a ride, one participant pointed out, but simultaneously give you grief about having to take you and your dog. Does the settlement address that issue? There's not a specific clause in the settlement agreement that has to do with that, but it is against Uber policy to have drivers mistreat customers for discriminatory reasons. That's definitely the type of thing where you should report it both to Uber and to me or other attorneys working on the case because I could see that being something if we're hearing it's really ongoing, particularly once drivers who would have once denied a ride are now providing it but begrudgingly. If that's the type of problem that we see actually growing, we might have to think about adding some training components about that. Does the settlement specifically cover blind and visually impaired riders or are other service dog users or those who use emotional support animals included? The settlement only covers blind and visually disabled people with service dogs. So in theory, a blind person might have a different type of service dog than a guide dog and they would be covered. It doesn't cover people with different types of disabilities, but the way we have worked with Uber to have them draft their policy, it's not disability specific and it's not service animal type specific. So while it's not enforceable under the settlement, which only covers blind users, the goal is that the language in the policies applies more broadly. Is this the same case as one brought by the National Federation of the Blind against Uber? This is the same case. It's the only big guide dog use case. What about drivers who are repeat offenders? They refuse a ride. Uber apologizes using some kind of canned response, promises that the driver will be suspended, and then the same driver refuses the ride perhaps two more times. Current policy is kind of fluid in a way that would allow what you've been experiencing, which is what the settlement's trying to fix. Under the settlement, there's... No way you'd have, if you'd submitted three complaints about one driver, they would have 
been gone after number two. You know, they might still use somewhat canned responses, but under the settlement, you have a right to be told what happened to the driver, and so you would be able to push them on that and get that information from them. Does the settlement address the somewhat recent issue of ride pools, a circumstance in which a blind rider may be given an opportunity to travel with other passengers headed in the same general direction? Unfortunately, uh, while we were shaping the settlement agreement, that wasn't an issue yet, and we don't think it should hold up putting the settlement agreement in place, but we might need to bring another case or build on the agreement or modify it to deal with that issue because we think it will increasingly arise. As of mid-November, there has been no final settlement in the Uber case, but there is a bit of an update, unfortunately. This from WUSA Channel 9 in the nation's capital. Kristen Fleschner attempted to use an Uber car for transportation with her guide dog. The driver, according to Channel 9, called her offensive names, quote-unquote. Fleschner tells Channel 9 that she and her dog Zoe have been denied rides by Uber at least 10 times in the last three weeks at the time the story was created. These are Fleshner's words. Obviously, you have a remarkable feeling of hurt that goes deep into your gut and streams up to your heart. Uber told WUSA Channel 9 that it has suspended the driver's privileges while it investigates the complaints. The company insists that refusing to transport a service dog is a clear violation of the law and of Uber policy. As for the driver's claim that he's allergic to dogs, it still doesn't exempt him from accepting a service dog. And that's it for the November issue of the Juno Reports. I'm Nolan Crabb. It's been a real pleasure. Hope you will join us in December and every month thereafter for upcoming editions of this program. Remember that the Juno Report will be available as a podcast after it airs here on ACB Radio. If you subscribe to the Juno Report as a podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd go to iTunes and give us a rating. It would be great if you could give us a good or an excellent rating, but that's crucial because it helps others find this program. The more you rate it, the easier it will be for others to find it. So please consider rating us and letting us know how we're doing. If you want to do that by some other route, you may do so. You may send an email to ncrab2011. I'll spell that for you. That's ncrabb2011 at gmail.com. Once again, ncrabb at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think of our first effort in a few months. And I'm hopeful that we can just keep things improving and providing you with the kind of information you really need most. Remember that you've been listening to Julia Marks, a fellowship attorney for disability rights advocates of Berkeley, California. Julia is among those who are working with the courts and with Uber regarding the upcoming settlement. We may find a way to bring her back to the program in the future to talk in detail about the final settlement and how it looked and what uh, what the end result is and what that means to you as a guide dog handler. Once again, you've been listening to the Juno Report, a service of Guide Dog Users Incorporated. 
proud to be affiliated with the American Council of the Blind. You're listening to ACB Radio. Our thanks again to the ACB Radio staff for its assistance in making sure this report gets out to you. We'll do it again next month. In the meantime, have the happiest of holidays. And if you are in the United States and celebrate Thanksgiving, we certainly extend our wishes to you for a happy and memorable Thanksgiving and a safe one for both you and your guide dog. Until next month, 